This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Twitter has been through a lot in its 15-year history. Founder Jack Dorsey has played a role of CEO multiple times, and this week on Monday, he announced he was resigning effective immediately. In his place is now former CTO Parag Argrawal. On this episode of Jason Squared, co-hosts Jason Perlow and I are going to talk about the future of Twitter. I'm Jason Cipriani, and this is Jason Squared, which is just repeating myself, so that's fun. All right, Perlow, what do you think about Dorsey resigning? Is this uh, something you expected out of nowhere? What do we think? Oh, I, I did expect him at some point to resign, but I didn't know about really we're sure about the timing. Let's talk about the history of this company a little bit, right? So, you know, Twitter originally was founded 15 years ago as a podcasting company, right? And then within four months after the company's launch, um, they renamed themselves Twitter and sort of and released this product that, you know, we know of Twitter today, which, you know, they now have 2 billion monthly users, right? Um, which is massive. And essentially, it has become the pulse of the Internet and social media, where up to the second breaking news, as well as statements from very popular, you know, or shall we say infamous personalities have, have been made, uh, you know, to their hundreds of millions of followers in some, in some cases. Right. Um, you know, and as a platform, you know, unlike its rival Facebook, um, its functionality has been more or less static. Right. Choosing to stay as like this short message bus and a link broadcast platform. Right. So Dorsey, um, you know, he's been under file for fire for a while that there hasn't been a ton of innovation uh, with the platform and that there hasn't been a lot of new product development. And those products and features that they have launched over the last five years, um, they've either canceled um, or they've disposed of. And, you know, the company has been underperforming um, financially. Right. You know, if we look at, you know, some of the articles about Blue that have come out from Bloomberg and recently that, yeah. um, you know, they, they had under been performing on Wall Street. Um, you know, they've this this products. And the, did you know they had like a video microblogging service a couple of years ago and a few other things that they tried to launch? And they essentially, you know, went nowhere. Yeah, you know, they yeah, tried they, to. You know, it's so, like uh, throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I mean, Google's kind of had that same ethos when 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 releasing stuff, but sure. I mean, Google's hit rate has been much better, you know, with the stuff yeah. they throw up against against the wall rather than Twitter. Let's let's, well, let's think, be honest. I think Google's had more patience when when trying out stuff. Twitter seems like if it doesn't catch on and, and take off instantly, they abandon it immediately. Yeah, and 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 the thing is though, can can you be a one hit wonder and only do this? Is is really the question, right? I mean, I think. The, the service and the functionality that Twitter provides is very important, right? Because it's kind of a backbone internet kind of thing. If you think of things like Google as a search engine, that's a backbone internet thing, right? I think of, of, of Twitter as a backbone internet communication up to the second real-time platform that you know, is, is, is absolutely necessary for news agencies, governments, um, corporations, and things to put out 
you know, blast out things that are, are, are up to the second important and that need to be sort of escalated and, and, and circulated very quickly. But everything else, it doesn't really do much other than that, right? It's not like Facebook, which has this really complex platform that's posts and, 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 and visuals and video. I mean, to the extent Twitter does videos also, but not in the same sense that, that Facebook does or Instagram does. And it doesn't have the same kind of messaging capability that WhatsApp has and some of the other. So I think that that, you know, Twitter ties everything kind of to its main app, whereas Facebook has kind of broken out to other services as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. And I want to preface all of this entire episode by saying Twitter by far is my most used social network. Sure. As well as my favorite social network. There is there's nothing unlike it. On the or nothing like it no. on the internet in, in my experience, and I think I've been on it for 14, 15 years now. I don't remember, you know, it's pretty close to when it started, mm. and um, yeah, it, it it it's been a critical tool not only in news reporting for me, but it also I would say I was thinking about this last night um, in preparation for this episode, and I would say that. 90% of my writing jobs, my freelance writing jobs have come from connections mm -hmm. I have made on Twitter, if not directly from tweets, uh, whether it was a, an editor looking for a freelancer or me posting about freelancing and an editor sliding into my DMs and saying, hey, I have a opening you want to write for us uh i, I bet you it's close to 90 percent of the jobs i've had freelancing in tech journalism uh, over the last 13 years have come from twitter so it's a huge part of what i do on a daily basis but it's a, also a huge part of my career and so i yeah. i'm very uh cautious when when big changes are being made to twitter um as far as dorsey resigning uh it's not a surprise to me at all it was He's he's been the CEO of Square and he's been the CEO of Twitter at the same time. And he's been like a candle burning at both ends. Right. Eventually it's going to yep. catch up in the middle and there's going to be nothing left. I, I never understood how he could do both uh, with 100 percent effort and, you know, give the companies the attention they deserve and the employees the attention they deserve and this shareholders and, and all of that, the attention they deserve. Oh, and by the way, he's heavily involved in crypto and philanthropy because he's a billionaire and has all this money he wants to you know give away and then also the crypto aspect yeah he believes it's the future and um so it was either square or twitter i think twitter made the most sense for him to resign from um only because square is heavily involved in crypto and that's where his interests lie right now yeah i mean quite frankly you know activist investor groups you know, such as Elliott Management, which is like, you know, whenever Elliott Management gets involved in in, in investing in a, in a company, you know, whenever they buy out shares or something, you know, they're looking to replace the management. Right. That's 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 basically kind of their their main operational principle. They've been looking to get rid of him for over a year. Uh, and, you know, there have been concerns that, as you say, he was putting more time into Square than Twitter, although at Square, they say the opposite, that he was right, putting right. more time into Twitter than Square. So the question is, what is the best use of his time? Right. And, and, and he's so old guard at Twitter that they need fresh blood. Right. So if you look at uh, Agarwal, you know, he's more of an insider, having been chief technology officer. So the question is, can he bring about the disruptive change that Twitter needs to evolve as a company? You know, Twitter stock fell 
when the announcement was made. So though far, thus far, Wall Street's not impressed with this decision. Now, now of course, Wall Street, you know, tends to be very, you know, uh, reactive to news. Sure. Uh, when Microsoft promoted uh, Satya Nadella to CEO, you know, re, you know, when he replaced Steve Ballmer, you know, uh, Nadella is an insider. He was a, a very much a very similar type of guy, technologist. Right. So yep. um, so I think, you know, can Agarwal become the Nadella of Twitter? This really is the question here. Can he take his tech chops and then say, hey, you know what? We need to improve X, Y, Z. We need to bring out new services. We need to bring we need to invest in these new technologies. Um, you know, do we need to freshen things up? Do we need to change our, our stance on certain things? Um, it's possible. You know, yeah. I, 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 I think it's too early to write Agarwal off to put despite what Wall Street does. You know, it could end. You know, I think he needs to be more of a voice. He needs to start talking more. He needs to start talking about what he thinks as far as what should be done. And, and then and then we'll see how that moves forward. Right. So, I mean, it, that, that's that's what I think. I, I think Agarwal is probably a good at least a good interim choice before they bring in an outsider. I, I think I think you need to have someone who has some context of the technology in place. Right. Before you even think about bringing in an in, in, in outside leadership for anything. Yeah, I've, I've read quite a bit about him over the last couple of days. And from what I understand, he was a lead engineer. So he's a developer. He understands the engineering that goes behind yes. the products and what it takes to develop the ideas that they that come out of meetings and that are proposed. And the engineering team um, really respects him and admires him. So I think he was a good pick from that regard, which is where a lot of the issues Twitter has had over the years on implementing changes is they've been, you know, not fully developed and fully implemented. Like, or not implemented at all. Let's say like the edit button. Where is the edit button? Something that seems so simple to do. And I know there's yep. those implications that need to be factored into it. But look, Facebook has solved this and they show you a history of what edits have been made. Twitter can do the same thing. That can be engineered. You know, uh, I don't know. That there, there, well, when we looked at it in, uh, back in the day when I was at IBM and, and Twitter talked about maybe putting this thing on mainframes just to the the volume of stuff and the speed of which gets re uh, released, um, the, the pace of what gets released on, on Twitter is actually at, at the level what Facebook is in terms of, of the, the machine resources it needs to do. That's, that's actually more up to up to real time than Facebook sure. is, right? So yeah. the, the volume of posts occurs is fast. So uh, if they if we were to if they were to require an edit button on a mass scale, you would need to have version control and, and, and a version control database that show the history of what was changed and the scale of what need, would need to be added in terms of, of resources would be massive. Now it, saying that, okay, there are some new things that Twitter you know has released. Right. In order right. to address some of those in very recently. So um, it, Twitter has just released Twitter Blue, which is a premium add on subscription to its base level free service. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, that's three dollars a month. And I just turned it on a couple of days ago because I wanted to see I knew we were going to be talking about Twitter and I wanted to see what it was about. Um, one of these is the ability to. Um, one of the things that's built into Twitter Blue, other than things like, you know, ad free articles, showing us top articles, you know, bookmark folders for bookmarking your tweets, uh, you know, a reader that allows longer threads to be easier to read. Now they got rid of fleets, right? Fleets was 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 disposed of, a, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something. So now you have a reader that allows you to see long 
long threads, right? And in and, and, and more of, a, of an article type of a format. Um, what they do have now um, is something called undo, yeah. which, which is essentially it's a timer, a delay timer. So you put in your but tweet. But not a very long one. It can be at the, up to 60 seconds, from between oh, 20 man. and 60 seconds. So, so in those 60 seconds, I sent mine to the max 60 seconds. You see there's a, there's a circle timer that goes on after you shoot out the tweet. If you say, oh, crap, I misspelled something or this link is bad, you interrupt it and you go and you make your changes and then you do a resend and then you see the, the, the timer going. Or you can immediately tell it to send while that timer is going down. Um, it's not bad. Um, you know, I, I don't hate it. Um, I would have liked something where it's more of a, OK, oh, oops, I've sent it. Now I can I can fix it, you know, rather than break the, the now having to delete a tweet for people that already liked it and stuff. Um, right. You know, you know, that's that's I hate doing that, and especially if you had something that's been retweeted a lot and you're like, oh, crap, I wish I could just fix the spelling because I sound like an idiot kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I, like I, yeah, I sent it at 1130 at night and oh, crap, I misspelled a word. You know, the link is still good, but I misspelled the word, whatever. Yeah, and you it's don't got, realize it until the next day. Right. Right. Because yeah. of because of because of freaking autocorrect or something did something dumb. Right. Because you're using yeah. it on an iPhone or whatever. I do it all the time, which is why this undo thing doesn't work for me. I'm not going to pay three dollars a month for a 60 second window to undo a tweet. No. And I think they need to get I mean, there's other things that they've included with this Twitter blue. Uh, in addition to this top articles to add free articles, bookmark folders, the reader. Um, they've had things like, you know, you can change the colors and the icons. Those are not really big premium features to me. I think they need to start introducing other stuff to blue. Like I would like to see, for example, like curation of, of, I would like to see curated feeds of blue checks, right. Or curated feeds of, of, of validated news sources, things like that. Things where I, I can, I can eschew the garbage, right. The garbage posts from people and see it, it rel you know, Things that are of of, of consequence or uh, or or have have good reputations as as Twitter posts. You see, now I've got like these these topics that I'm following. Like yeah. I follow like Apple, I follow Android, and I get like idiots that are just like you know whatever. They have a lot of followers, so they'll post about <laughs> Apple stuff. But they're like, look at this picture that I made of a theoretical Apple device, or like you know these these, these really dumb like Instagrammy type posts that that I don't care about, but they're sure. seen as high high priority posts. No, I don't want to see those posts. If I'm looking at if I'm if I am watching an Apple topic, I want to see something from, you know, nine to five Mac or, or from ZDNet or from, or from Verge or from a major news source. That's po yeah. yeah someone, that, so, someone that actually, you know, is writing about things that are important about Apple. I would like to follow those topics. I don't want like this noise stuff. Right. So I would hope that Twitter blue would figure out a way to, for help me one filter out noise and also discover accounts, which are, which are good. The biggest, the hardest part of Twitter is account discovery. In my opinion, yeah, you it's, create it's an echo chamber for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like so, all social media. You, you create, you end up finding accounts that are very similar to the accounts you already follow. And it's just this giant echo chamber, regardless of the topic, Apple or COVID, it doesn't matter. That just confirms your own thoughts and bias. Yeah. So there needs to be better ways of handling, you know, discovery of accounts, um, you know, vetting of better resources, et cetera. Um, the other thing that they are trying to do now, which is they've rolled out, I guess, in like the last few months, but they've really now started to push it as spaces. 
Um, Spaces is this new live audio conferencing feature, which is similar to Clubhouse, right? Remember, everyone was talking about Clubhouse. No one's talking about Clubhouse anymore. Now everyone's talking about printer spaces. So this is built into the Twitter client. The main, the main um, smartphone Twitter client, right, um, for Android and, and iOS. So up to 13 people can speak at a time, right? But hundreds or, or literally thousands can listen in, right? So you can be the moderator. You start your spaces at, you know, um, they don't really have a good scheduling. It's kind of like you start a space and then you can basically say, uh, you know, I'm going to start the space. You can make a tweet that says I'm going to start the space at 9 p.m., they need to they need to figure out how to how to you know figure out how to, one is how do you discover these spaces right you know are, are like you know as people schedule them up um you know and 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 discovering you know topics they really haven't figured out how to do that yet basically you just see spaces sort of pop up in your feed when you follow like people like i i yeah. follow scoble right so scoble um had a had a had a a, a twitter space chat on virtual reality which is why i ended up buying my stupid oculus <laughs> the other day um because he was so hot on it and other people had like jason you gotta get one you gotta get one i'm like oh crap all right fine i'll spend the four hundred dollars on a stupid oculus but and i already hate myself already for ordering one it's coming today but so so but i the only reason why i was able to discover his space was that i follow him right otherwise i wouldn't know about it so they need to invest money in that now they're, they're the other issue is monetization options for creators which i think has always been something that Twitter has struggled with, right? So a couple of, I think about a year ago, they bought a platform and they've now review, uh, they've now renamed it to Review, R-E-V-U-E. This is a newsletter, essentially, right? So it's an email. It's not a Twitter newsletter. It's an email newsletter that has your tweets in it, right? So, so, so which I think is kind of odd because you can't just suddenly make all your Twitter followers, your subscribers. I think that's something that they're probably going to have to integrate later on. But essentially, if you go to getreview.co uh, and you sign in with your Twitter account, it basically creates this newsletter type platform. Like if you've seen HubSpot, Jason, I don't know if you've seen it or or some no. of the others, um, you know, MailChimp or some of the others where you have this interface where you basically you drag and drop your tweets into yep. it. And and I say these are the four big tweets I had this month, and you have like an introductory section. You can say now you have the subscribe button, and then suddenly everybody gets email subscribed. Uh, sort of like 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 what's that that newspaper you know uh, newspaper whatever the hell that's called that people were doing. It's an it's essentially it's it's a fan newspaper for your Twitter followers, and it looks good, and it looks like something that can be monetized, right? Because it's a, it's it's a paid subscription kind of thing. I don't know what it's going to cost really at scale, but it sounds interesting, especially that, that given how important Twitter is in terms of validated contacts, the biggest issue with email, you know, large scale email newsletters is you don't want to spam people, right? You don't want to be buying yeah. lists of crap. So if you could pull this from your Twitter followers, right, who are interested in hearing from you, right? I would rather that this thing, instead of going your email, kind of like come up in your feed and say, hey, Jason's got a newsletter, watch it. Right. These are all his cool sure. tweets he did. I think that's eventually what they want to do with it. It's not Maybe. there yet. It I mean, yeah. it's just it's not there yet. So I, I think there's a lot of things that Twitter can do to make money, you know, but they're going to have to figure out what that that model is. I don't know if their current model makes sense. And this is something Agarwal is going to have to really dive deep into, quite frankly. I don't yeah. know what you think about this stuff. Yeah. Before we dive into the next section, I yeah, I, I think it's. 
important to note that there there's two Twitter experiences, essentially. And I'm not yeah. talking about based on your timeline. I'm talking about based on which app you use. Yeah. I don't I don't use the Twitter app. I, I do once in a while on Android and I use it on my iPhone and iPad to receive push alerts because Twitter killed push alerts for third party applications. Uh, but other than that, I use TweetBot which yeah. is a third-party app that has none of the stuff you just talked about built into it yep. because Twitter doesn't have an API for it. And so, so, yeah. so Twitter spaces, I have no idea they're going on. Uh, the fleets, when that was out, which were their like Snapchat-like yeah. tweets that, that you can do and you know that disappeared after so many hours, I had no clue. I had no visibility. Polls, I think they just added the ability to view polls in TweetBot because the API became available. But if I want to vote on a poll, I have to open the Twitter app in order to do it. And so I, I, I think that right now they have two options, and they've had these all along, but I think we're going to see those options, you, you know, a decision made, and that is either yeah. fully embrace third-party apps like yep. TweetBot and other brands that have built their entire business around providing a Twitter experience for yep. its users, they're either going to have to fully support them with full API, put ads in it, whatever it is, or they're going to have to kill their API. And well, for what I've heard program, from, from an unnamed source that did not want to be named, let's put it this way, that they will be reinvesting in their API for third-party apps because they understand that there's this gap. Um, you know, there are very large brands that have lots of Twitter accounts. Right. Sure. You know, like like these food manufacturers that have like, you know, 15, 20, 30 different, you know, food products that they each have their own like Twitter account. Right. They you do not use the official Twitter app. They use these 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 social media marketing platforms, one like HubSpot or Hootsuite, you know, yep. that where they have these campaign based tweets. Right. So like, you know, you and I as as a as basic, you know, social media personalities, journalists. You know, we have our personal Twitter accounts and we tweet as we see fit effectively. But there are other, but there are these platforms that will, would allow you to, you know, schedule and reschedule and retweet and all this kind of stuff in, in an automated fashion that yeah. these that these large that these large brands, you know, they have to track 20, 30 products and they're making announcements with their PRs. They're not going to use the, the basic Twitter software. They use these platforms to do this like HubSpot and Hootsuite, et cetera, et cetera. So if they don't have the right API integration of these platforms, they're not going to work correctly. So they, so they know that, that, that they need to resolve this. Um, and if they want to make Clubhouse something that, actually, if they want to make um, Twitter spaces something that, that these brands want to use, right, they have to integrate with those platforms as well. So they know that the, that the API is a gap that has to be addressed soon. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 you know, they made some changes two weeks ago that opened up some more APIs. You can now view, like, for example, for the last two or three years, you weren't able to view who had liked your tweets in third-party apps. In uh, order to do that, you had to go to the website or use the Twitter app, which is the most ridiculous. Why would you block people from being able to see that? It doesn't make any sense. So if someone liked my tweet and I got a notification from the Twitter app, I could see it there, right? But if I open the TweetBot app and I see that seven people have liked this tweet and four people have retweeted it, if I want that information, I had to leave TweetBot, go to Twitter, pull up the tweet or my notifications and then view the information there. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. And so not in the world, but it's 
you know what I'm saying. And it just it didn't, didn't make sense. And so they've started to loosen or open up the API a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, and you can now view who has liked your tweets uh, in Tweetbot. <laughs> just so basic. Um, so, yeah, I, I your unnamed source. Yeah, I mean, that's the way things are moving. But there have to be some hard decisions that need to be made and, and hopefully they're made in the right direction. And that is, I don't want to use the Twitter app. I don't want to use the Twitter website. And there's a lot of users like me that just yep. prefer a third party experience. Yeah. And I did it as well. You know, when I was, when I was a heavy windows user, there were some really cool windows apps that were written for windows 10 um, that I was using. And I was also using, you know, other Twitter apps on, 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 on Mac and stuff just to see, cause I like the layout better of like the multi-column formats and some of these yeah. things, the tat that, you know, this, so this, this sort of tableau kind of, kind of an environment, 360 degrees where you can see multiple streams and stuff and multiple search terms and all that. You can't really do that on the, 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 twi- the, the, the basic Twitter client for Mac and, and windows and, and smartphone is very minimalist. It doesn't do enough for me. So I would love to be able to go back to some of these other clients, but I want full, I want full Twitter API. You know, that's right. so it's it's it's, it's and it, you know, otherwise you end up running multiple clients and it's a pain in the butt. So um, I agree with you. The API investments need to be there um, for this company. And I hopefully Agarwal, who is a techie, you know, he's a developer. He understands this issue very well. He can hear people screaming about it now, I assume. Um, maybe he'll even listen to this podcast. But um, those are just, those are key decisions that need to be made for Twitter to grow as a platform for people yeah. to start seeing value for people right. to for one them for want them to, maybe they need to monetize some of these things who knows as 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 uptics fine great make people subscribe to it but it's got to be there if it's if, if it's not there people are not going to pay for it period that's that's, yeah. that's really the bottom line exactly so so there's another grill in this room Jason. Um, besides uh, income and, and, and technology feature sets, right? And, you know, and, and leadership change. That is, you know, the fact is, look, you and I have a lot of misgivings about social media as, as, a, uh, as a thing that, that can, get, can cause harm to people, right? It, from a psychological perspective and also from a social perspective. Uh, yep. human relationship perspective, right? At, at, a soci- at a societal level, right? So while the company has gotten better about policing its platform in the last, I would say, six months, uh, misinformation is still a huge issue on Twitter and also, of course, on Facebook. Um, so in April of 2020, it's about more or less just short of a year ago, a couple months short of a year ago, uh, the internet uh watchdog that i like to cover uh newsguard uh you know they identified a list of about 85 what they call super spreader misinformation accounts um in a both in us and europe on both platforms right so the the, the types of misinformation activities that we're talking about include spreading the following falsehoods. You know, COVID-19 doesn't exist. Bill Gates says that COVID-19 would result in, you know, a quarter, uh, uh, three quarters of a million dead people. You know, 5G. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 5G is linked to spread of COVID. You know, COVID-19 was predicted in a simulation. You know, vitamin C can prevent COVID-19. You know, COVID-19 is a biological weapon that the Americans or the Chinese created. 
uh, you know, healthy people suffer no harm from COVID-19. And, you know, COVID-19 vaccines have chips that that that, Mike, that, that Bill Gates makes, you, you know, has funded to track you. Right? So these are this all this nonsense, right, is spreaded yeah. about in a massive amount. So all 85 of these like super duper, you know, spread accounts that they flagged um, have pretty much continued to do so. Right. So 43 of those accounts have had new action taken against them. Right. And 19 have increased their follower numbers by, you know, an average of 13.8, almost 14 percent. Right. So Twitter specifically of the 26 accounts that that Twitter has been told is super spreading. 13 of those have had no action against them. And 10 of them have actually increased, increased their follower numbers by almost 400,000 users, which is a 23 percent 20, almost 24% increase on the average, which is actually, if you look at Twitter as a growth platform compared to Twitter, this the misinformation is growing on Twitter, not reducing compared to, to Facebook. So it, it's a serious freaking problem, Jason, that they, oh, that they, yeah. have, that, that they have not really addressed in, in full. Yeah, and it's hard for any social network to address this because, and like you were talking about earlier, how especially when it comes to Twitter, how real time this is and the amount of information second by second that's coming out. And it's across all topics, whether it's COVID or, or an earthquake or, you know, someone, how many times has Betty White died on Twitter, <laughs> right? Like you, you look at the hashtags that are the trending topics and Betty White dead or whatever is trend been trending. I don't know how many times yet she's still alive. Like, and so it's very hard for Twitter to figure out how to police this in real time because that's what it effectively has to be they have to be able to identify what's real and what's fake the moment it's published and go from there i this is a hard problem to solve and agrawal i think is probably going to be the right person hopefully with his technical background his engineering background and knowing how best to approach this from that aspect of the back end system but that front end of determining what's true and what's fake how do you even approach that? Well, I mean, one is, like I said, if we talk about filtering out the, the, the accounts that, that aren't, you know, validated or, or, or trustworthy. Sure. Right. So 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 if we take blue check as a starting point, which is not necessarily an all encompassing solution, because we know of blue check accounts that have said dumb stuff to hundreds mm -hmm. of millions of people. Right. Let, let's let's just yeah. let's just be let's be clear. So. But I think blue check, if we were to start with blue checks, then if you become a blue check, then maybe you should be subject to fact checking. Right. And so that, that, that's a much smaller number of users than their entire user base. So sure. it, it, I could see I would love to see Twitter partner with a news guard. Right. Use news guards, API and, 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 and then the so these so these labelings of, of veracity. Right. In terms of your reputation can be shown. You know, when you give a tweet, you know, are you a green or are you a red if, if you're if, if you're a blue check? Right. You know, so like, you know, if, if OANN is tweeting something, yeah, they're a red. If 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 we get a world leader who is is known for 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 nonsense, then they get a Then they get a red. Right. So and, and if someone tweets a piece of, of, of material that is widespread, that should be fact checked. And it should say, yeah, this is valid or no, this has been proven to be wrong. The CDC says X, Y, Z, as opposed to what you just said. Right. So that's something they can do, I think, almost immediately is to partner with the with these with these watch guard organizations that can verify 
news and, and, and statements of, of things in real time. And I think I think blue check is, is where we should start. Um, and as as people who use their platform, we should have the ability to just say we just want to blue check check uh, pain on a window that we can look at. It, and then the everything else is sort of like, you know, secondary or whatever. We, we need to be able to prioritize what we want to look at a bit better, I think. Yeah. And they need and so, they need to prioritize those things a bit better in, in the main feed as well. Yeah. So just so the listeners know, you, when you're saying blue check, you're referring to verified users, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're verified, I believe. I, yeah. I'm verified. And that process was a little weird. Uh, I sent an email. This it was years ago. But just so listeners have kind of perspective on what it was like back in 2015, 16, when, when I got verified. I don't know when you got verified, but I was... Yeah. I was writing for Fortune. I was freelancing for Fortune magazine, and I was trying to interview then CEO Jack Dorsey. He had just come back to the company um, after being interim CEO and, and all that. And I was trying to get an interview with them. And somehow when talking to his PR uh, handler, Twitter verif- verification came up and uh, she asked me a few questions about my account like who who else had access to it um, if my account had been taken over by hackers someone had hacked into my account who could she alert if she couldn't get a hold of me assuming my email address or not she but Twitter uh, could get a hold of as soon as my e- assuming my email address was also compromised and there were some safeguards put in place uh, you know or they wanted to make sure there was a, a fallback system to let me know that my account had been compromised. And then I didn't hear anything for like two months. I was Mm. asked all these questions and then it was just nothing. Um, Obviously, I didn't get the interview with Jack Dorsey or else I would have already talked about that. Um, And then one day out of nowhere, Twitter's verified account followed me. And 10 minutes later, I was verified. And then the onslaught of people who only follow verified users or who follow every verified user uh, happened. So... That process doesn't exist anymore. You have to apply for it now, or I don't even know if you can apply for it because they shut it down. I honestly, I didn't know we're going to go off on uh, verification, but at at some point they shut down the verification process because they had falsely verified a fake news, uh, you know, account that was spreading misinformation. I don't, I don't remember the specifics of it. So I don't even know if you can uh, get verified right now without, you know, some inside track or anything like that. What was the process like for you, Perillo? Do you remember? So, I, you know what it was? Someone at, at, within ZDNet, I think uh, one of our, our staffers said, hey, you know, we're trying to get all our, our contributors verified and oh, okay. uh, give us your emails and we'll do it. So that's how it happened. Um, you know, um, so it was pretty straightforward. I don't know what process they went through. Um, and I don't know. And I don't know how difficult it is to do now. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you, I mean, you have to be a journalist, obviously, I think, or someone of, of importance to get verified, you know? Right. So, so yeah, that's, that's basically it. Um, yeah. This, this misinformation thing is like we've said, and I've already said in this podcast, it, it's a hard one to tackle. And I agree with you integrating some sort of fact checking news guard, uh, Snopes, uh, all those, other, all those, all those. <laughs> Build relationships with those, build them into the app, build them into your API so third-party apps can integrate with them. That's a good start uh, is and start by verifying the information that verified people are posting because those seem to get, you know, have the loudest echo chamber and, and the furthest reach, uh, at least in my experience. 
I'm not talking about my well, account because you know Twitter being nobody a, reads a, my account. Such, being such a high <laughs> volume platform in terms of the type of things that get amplified, they yeah. know from a from a from a volumetric um, capability internally what the most highest amplified tweets are about certain things, right? As they look at the top yeah. 10,000 things that get sent every day. They know what those are. So machine learning and various other technologies could be used. And obviously you need to get humans involved in this to say, hey, oh, this is being heavily amplified. Maybe we should get this check checked. And every single time this gets amplified, we need to have a message that says this is horseshit or this is, you know, um, this is this has been checked and this looks like it's real, right? Yeah. So yeah. The, at the very minimum, those type of things can be acted upon, especially if they if they if they start or pass through blue check uh, verified clients, right? Verified accounts. So there is there is some traffic copying that can be done at a at a smaller scale, even if it only impacts ten percent of the of the source accounts of the accounts that where this comes from. This stuff gets heavily amplified and get pushed sure. through their system. So those things can be tracked, right? They know what the top, the top moving stuff, the things that are like, you know, like harassment type things and things, other, other ugly, nasty stuff that is occurring. That's something that's going to be hard for them to follow, but they're going to need to act on, they, on that. They need, to, they need to act on that big time because when we start seeing things like, you know, harassment of, of journalists and, and, and people, you know, for, you know, what LGBTQs and, and all the, all these things that, that have going on from, you know, right wing, you know, yeah. uh, white nationalists and all, all this crazy stuff that's occurring. They need, yes, they need to, they need to clamp down. And just as YouTube has now, you know, cut out a ton of that stuff. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think maybe for YouTube is a little bit easier because it's a strictly broadcast receiving platform where they can look through search terms, they can find the accounts and they can just delete the materials in mass, right? This stuff is constantly generating itself in, in massive volume. So so I think the approach is gonna have to be a little bit different than what YouTube is doing because you could can just kill accounts, kill content, right? Whereas this, yeah. this is kind of like a whack-a-mole type of a scenario. It, which it absolutely is. Right. And, you know, one thing Twitter did announce this week, and then I'm going to ask your closing thoughts, uh, was not only that CEO, former CEO Jack Dorsey was resigning effective immediately. By the way, he's staying on the board until like May. Yeah. So he still has yeah. some input yeah. going on. But yesterday they also announced that um, they are going to ban private videos or pictures of people from being posted without mm -hmm. permission. Now, this mm -hmm. doesn't mean I can't post any pictures or videos with people. This means that if I was to take a video of you, Perlo, chowing down on some new pizza that you made and it's amazing and I post it, you can go to Twitter and file a claim saying, hey, they don't have my permission. Jason doesn't have my permission to post that. Please take it down. And they would. So this isn't. That's it, problematic, just, though, because like yes, there's a lot of citizen it, it, journal. There's a lot of citizen journalism that occurs. So there is a caveat to it. If it's newsworthy, that they will evaluate it on a case by case basis, and they may leave it up uh, according to the new terms. So there's so starting, so something that would be along the lines of police brutality would be would be would be would fall under that, right? I would assume. Correct. And I'm sure there's going to be some trial and error sometimes when they screw up and make the wrong decision and have to restore a video or a tweet or whatever. But if it's newsworthy, you know, public journalism, whatever, they're, like I said, case by case basis, and they'll leave it up if they determine that it is newsworthy. So they they are taking steps towards getting rid of some of the bad stuff. But again, who who judges whether it's real, fake, newsworthy, not uh, misinformation, you know, it, it's a lot to navigate, but you know, it, 
that's that's what they're doing right now. Um, all right, Perlo, closing thoughts here. So look, I, I think Twitter is here to stay as a platform. It's going to be, it's, a, it's, it's again, it's, it, it's an important piece of our internet infrastructure, like, 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 you know, Google is, is, is a search engine. So we need this platform. We need, we need up to date real time communication and, and, and broadcast capability, right? Everybody needs this, right? For, for our, 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 for our internet and our internet media to function, right? Um, but again, we we need we need this new blood. We need this new CEO. We yeah. need a technologist CEO. We need him to bring in some more smart people. We need more investment in their their platform as far as feature sets and things like that, so that it can continue to grow. Um, and I, I I think the company can do it. Um, I just think that we need to see some more effort on their part, um, and fairly soon. I think yep. uh, so to for them to, for them to get more confidence in the market, so to speak. I agree. I read a story by uh, Casey Newton, who used to be a writer for The Verge. He now is independent, and I think he has a newsletter on Substack or I, I don't know, one of the, the new newsletter companies. And he covers social media. He covers companies. And so this, of course, was right up his wheelhouse. And um, I read a, a part of his newsletter that he published on his Twitter feed with a story about Dorsey and fleets specifically, which again is there was their Snapchat like feature with, uh, ephemeral, uh, pictures, posts, whatever, you know, it all disappeared within 24 hours. And Dorsey originally signed off on it, told the team, go ahead, build it, publish it, you know, release it. He signed off on the release. And then, uh, about a week or so, if I'm recalling this right, uh, they had a team meeting about fleets and Dorsey was asked, well, what do you think? And he shrugged his shoulders and said, it's not my thing. To me, that's, if the story is accurate, that's a pretty disinterested CEO, yeah. right? Like that, that is not the person I want running my favorite social media company, given all of its downfalls. So I'm hopeful that Parag will step in and hit the ground running and make some changes that are uh, worthwhile and are impactful to the end users, regardless of what platform they access Twitter from, because that's a huge thing for me. I want to be able to use all the stuff that is in the Twitter app without using the Twitter app, right? Like I want a customized experience for me based on what a, a third party developer does. So, you know, there's a huge caveat to that, but uh, hopefully, you know, he, like I said, hits the ground running and is able to make those changes. Yeah, and I agree with you. If, 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 I mean, in closing, look, this is, as again, it's internet infrastructure. It's, it's, an, it's important service, just like a lot of, you know, apps use Google, right? Their, their APIs to do all kinds of things, right? Um, and, and Google doesn't require us to use their app to do all no. this stuff. No, it's, this, is, this is foundational technology that any app um, and, and web, in web APIs use, right? So Twitter needs to see themselves at this. They need to have that rich API set and they need to make it available to everybody if, if they expect yep. this to become you know, more and more of a viral uh, foundational technology. And, and that's where Absolutely. I said, yeah. All right. If you have any feedback on this episode, why don't you reach out to Jason Perlow and I on Twitter? My Twitter handle is Mr. Sippy. It's M-R-C-I-P-P-Y. What's yours, Perlow? It's at J Perlow. All right. So let us know what you thought, what you think. Uh, are the changes good? Do you use the Twitter app, third parties, spaces, fleets? Let us know about all of that. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. 
And this is Jason Squared. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.